0: Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a podcast discussing all things green Morton. My name is Dean McKinnon and I am your host. Just One Cornetto is brought to you by the You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the Morton Forum. All our panellists appear in an entirely personal capacity and as such their views are personal to them. This podcast may contain a bit of adult language. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the show.
1: Just One Cornetto.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Just One Cornetto podcast. I am your standing host once again, Craig Dunning, and I am joined by Stephen McAlaney. How are you, Stephen? I'm good, Craig. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And Alan Coyle, how are you doing, Alan? Oh, I'm okay. Uh, we bit of a cold, but hey. Can he complain? Good stuff. So, Morton faced our both at Capital on Saturday, looking to end a run of five games without a win and four without a goal. They had a much changed lineup as Lewis Strap, Gary Oliver, and Cameron Blues replaced Brian McLean, Wies Lyon, and Tom Allen as we went with a 3 4 3 formation. They found themselves 1-0 down at half-time after Colin Hamilton had passed his brother from a set-piece. But Morton then turned it around in the second half with goals from Oliver and Blues before Arbroath equalised in the 87th minute with a controversial penalty. So, first of all, I'll come to you first, Stephen. Uh, what did you make of the line-up? Yeah, I was very happy with the line-up. Actually, a lot of people before
3: the game were trying to see what how the square pegs were fitting in the round holes and stuff. But um, I think once the, the game started and we could see the, the shape that they were playing, I was... I was actually really happy with the lineup because it got the the players I wanted on the park to be on the park in the positions that I wanted them to be in um, as much as possible, if that makes sense. So I was I was quite happy with the lineup.
2: Alan, anything to add on that?
1: No, not really. I I just fully agree with what Steven said there. Was kind of intrigued to see how things were kind of going to fit with the kind of right-hand side of the midfield. Um, because I mean, clearly when we kind of set up as a back three, um, just kind of working out who was going to be where. Um, again, I was kind of slightly surprised to see McGregor starting. Um, in that formation, um, but. Other than that, and other than that, uh, I was kind of happy, and as Stephen had said, I was happy to see Ugo and Riley paired uh, up top. and obviously, as well as that, uh, with Oliver in there as a third third option. So, uh, and am also interested to see Lewis Strap. I know this is something that Dean had mentioned a couple of weeks ago, but Lewis Strap getting a run as a left sided centre back.
2: Yeah, I was quite surprised when when I saw the lineup because looking at it well, like everyone else, I couldn't really figure out what it was we were going to be doing. But I thought that with that starting 11, no matter what formation we were going to be playing, I was expecting it to be Jacobs moved out to the right, which mm-hmm. isn't something I've ever liked. But yeah, so I, as it happened, it was the 3-4-3, or 3-4-1-2, you would probably say, with Oliver in behind, Igwu and Riley. And yeah, obviously Blues and McGregor out wide. Uh, yeah, since you brought up McGregor just now, uh, you know, later on we'll come on to talk about the difference Mark Russell made when he came on. But I, I thought, uh, McGregor is a good player. Uh, you, you, you can see he's definitely got something about him. But I think when you see he's a 17-year-old up against a really experienced defender like Colin Hamilton there, I did think he really struggled and you just saw that he's probably not quite ready for this level of football. I think you've seen Michael Garrity's just gone out on loan to Arbroath there and sorry uh, just gone out on loan to Ann rather and I think a move like that is probably something McGregor's going to need before he's ready to step up and consistently perform at this level.
3: No I I I it's it's the double edged sword isn't it I mean he does need games and and all young players need games but he is also going to obviously benefit from playing at this level as well so there is obviously a benefit to either sending him out and make sure he's playing every week for the likes of Anan, or having him in and out of the team here um, I think we, we couldn't afford to, to put too many of our young kind of wide players out on loan um, and that's maybe why one's went and one's stayed because um, we obviously don't have a vast vast amount of players and, and we did still need that other option I think on the wings so that's maybe why one of them I think stayed and, and one's went out on loan and perhaps the manager seen McGregor is the one who's currently more suited to the first team I'm not saying that he is flying or or anything but probably one that was
2: that that bit more ready and that's maybe why he's the one that stayed Aye I think you you probably are right there and uh, so just going on to the first half performance in general sort of flows on from that formation discussion because I thought the first half was a bit of a grim watch and I thought well obviously it improved considerably in the second half I thought it did have a lot to do with, with the wings just and I wouldn't really criticise McGregor or Blues for that. Just, it was a formation that asked an awful lot of them. Much like it here last week, you're asking, when we had McGregor and Allen as wing backs, you're asking an awful lot of players who, you know, McGregor's a natural winger, he's not naturally a defensive player, and Blues is a natural wide player. And you're asking them to basically deal with the wings by themselves. And yeah, I just thought in that first half, it wasn't really working at all. I've got to say, though, uh, one thing that uh, was
1: apparent—I mean, a lot of criticism um, last week, I think, from uh, Louise and Dean, and I think uh, well, I think most supporters have kind of commented on it was a very much a back-to-front nature of our play, and McLean putting balls in behind and stuff like that. There was a period of play uh, in the first half for about two or three minutes, where we where we had noticeably kept the ball. Um and you could tell there was folk running about you could tell we're just kind of itching to say get it forward but then going like no 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 this is what we're, this, is, this is what we've been wanting to happen <laughs> do you know what I mean it was, we were nah. kind of keeping the ball the ball was going into midfield we were keeping the ball and it actually broke I, I think it, it it broke down when it got to I don't know if it was Riley or Blues had overhit the pass or something like that but we kept the ball for two or three minutes and let's be honest when you're playing against a broth, um that's what you need to do against them because if you're playing long balls, that's that's what Ricky Little and Thomas O'Brien and even Colin Hamilton. That's that's what they are there for. Um So uh, while it, while it wasn't exactly inspiring to watch, there was elements of the first half that were that were kind of encouraging. Um, we also had the header didn't we in the first half was that Mike and T's header was in the first half yeah it was first half oh. and that it was it was a good save but I, I thought he should have scored it was a, it's, it's a free header at the back post um, and again one thing that was noticeable just in general in the game was the set pieces that would clearly worked on delivery um, of the set pieces as well because I, I thought we were a wee bit more dangerous from set pieces from corners in particular than we had been, uh, and it's kind of one of them that you're. It's noticeable; you can see what they've been working on in the training
3: ground, which is, uh, fair play to the manager for that, I suppose. No, I I think you're spot on, Alan, and see what you're saying about the keeping the ball as well. I, I completely agree. I said that last week, and it, it really oh wrapped my knitting or whatever the phrase you want me to use as. There was a point at air last week where we kept the ball for about. Eight to ten passes, wee bit of tight passing out in the right wing, um, and there was an option to go forward, but it wasn't really on, and the ball went back to Martin who was kind of right side the defence at a time. And Morton fans were booing because the ball went back the way, and I'm just like, I mean, what what what, what do these people expect at this level? I mean, you're keeping the ball, you can't play penetra- penetrative passes, whether you're possession all the time, at our level, you're just never going to get it. We're we're not, we're not Man City that every third pass is a through ball, so. I completely agree with what you're saying about Saturday, and I was happy with it. that's what we need. Is that has been the problem with our play at times, is the ball going from the back and not even to the front, past the front at times, are overhit long passes and completely bypassing what better players. Um, I mean, auction and obviously it looks like a great player, Jacobs. I mean that's two of if not what were strongest players in the middle of the park and bypassing them is just completely crazy so it was actually really refreshing to see that we were going through the, through the middle and, and playing nice wee passages of playing Saturday and I do, I do think it was a, a much better performance in terms of the actual football we played albeit um it was stifled quite a lot in the in the first half. But even with with the, the, the wee pass through, I can't remember who played it, but the wee dink through um to Knowles in the first half, if if he gets his toe on the end and gets it by the keeper, that would have been one of the best goals of the season. Aye. That was a great we build up and a lovely wee dink through. Um but I think some people when when you don't win forget these wee wee moments um and all it's just what, like to moan for the for the sake of moaning almost. But I think when you actually look at the football we played I was I was the same as you are and I was happy with it.
2: Yeah, you know, I think speaking of keeping possession ticking over, yeah, as you've touched on there, I think everything good we did in that first half pretty much went through Oxen and he was so good. And McPherson even singled it out himself saying that, yeah, he was head and shoulders above everyone else in that park. And yeah, that's undeniably true. Um, it might be a bit early in his Morton career for the for the Annie Lindbergh comparisons to start, but um, they're obviously going to come uh, both in the style of player that he is, and just the fact of you know, being finished. Aye, I I I just thought it was his, his his stature as much as
1: anything, his build, but also where he plays and just how he played. Um, I just thought there was there was elements of it you're looking and thinking that aye, that, that, that reminds me going full Morton dah here, but I, it there, there was elements that kind of shades of Lindbergh in there. Um, obviously no saying he's anywhere near that. Um, at this point in his career but um, he's a step up from any midfielder I would say we've had
3: over the last couple of years De- Definitely it's 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 just the, the nature of the level that we're playing at you tend to either get a midfielder with a really good brain or technically really good at our level um, and we've had some that's been a wee bit good at others and, and obviously a bit of mix but we, you very rarely get somebody playing at our level that you can see ah, he's got a great brain and he's actually technically really good and that's obviously why he's on loan for a team like Brentford 23s or Brentford B or whatever it is because you don't play for a team like that if they think you've got any chance, they've obviously got him thinking he might turn into a player that we can either make a bit of money off of, they sell him to a lower league team or, or maybe even get a run on their own team they've obviously got an eye on him thinking he could potentially work out for them in the future and it's obviously showing that he does have a bit of something
1: But as well as do you, do you know I know I'm kind of moving on a wee bit, but but um, I noticed he's came come out after half time um, I think they were waiting for our both team to make their long journey through the wee Dublin end uh, onto the park, but um, there was a bit, I, I just noticed him talking to, um, I think he was talking to Blues and he was talking to another one and he was basically, there was a move that he was kind of talking to him about. He's like, you know, if you get, in, he was very much, in a, I was thinking, that's, that's a young guy doing that. He's, he's come into the team two or three weeks and he's almost pulling players in and saying, listen, this is what we're doing. Um, which is really encouraging as well if you've got a guy like that kind of taking on leadership responsibilities on a pitch.
0: Clyde Eats is a new Inverclyde-based food ordering app launching on the 1st of September, aiming to showcase the finest food on offer in the local area. They feature some of Inverclyde's most popular restaurants, takeaways and desserts, Clyde Eats is available to download from the App Store and Google Play. For more information visit their website www.clydeats.co.uk or search for at Clyde Eats on Facebook, Twitter or
2: Instagram. Clyde Eats, take away the local way. Okay, so if we come on to the goal we conceded so free kick, given away sort of out on our right hand side I think Blue's just get sort of caught the wrong side of the player and a bit clumsily through the back of him and it's yet another <laughs> header conceded from a set piece um, and okay we, we have managed to keep a clean sheet the previous week but you do have to ask at what point do you, do you say you can't put this all down to individual errors, there's a clear systemic problem here with us defending set pieces
1: Totally avoidable. Sorry, Sorry on you, on you, go, Steve, you go, not, I was just going to say uh it's it was an unavoidable goal. Um I mean you're you're gonna against a growth and you're thinking, right, which we especially if they've no good noobley on the pitch, where are their strengths going to be? They're gonna be set pieces, apart from anything. And as it transpired, they've scored twice from set pieces. I know we'll go on and talk about the penalty, but it's come from kind of delivery into the box. They did have a period of corners toward the end of the game. But, I mean, the the, the nature of them getting a free header. And the thing is, well, I heard one of their players getting interviewed after the game and they were like, oh, guy, it was good for Colin. He doesn't get many goals. And you're like, I, he scored against us. Do you know what I mean? So it was, it was a case of switching off and somebody to back post.
3: Um, I thought it was an avoidable goal, and a bad time as well. Alright, no uh, it's it's uh, Craig's question about when, when does it become but the difference between individual errors and, and 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 a bigger problem. It's it's a tough one because what more would would we as supporters, if we were the ones controlling the defence, have done at that set piece? I wouldn't have done it different. If I was playing, I played in goal. I've not, never at a great level right but when I played in goal I would have had my defence set up exactly like that defence was set up for defending that set piece because I'm expecting defender A to mark striker B and not let him get a run on him and get a free header That to, for for marking systems and the way we were set up, there, there wasn't anything wrong with the way we were set up so that's where it's a, a wee bit, I, I get the point about constantly conceding but that there's, I'm a wee bit what, what more do we expect a, a manager to do in that situation? Other so than no, make I, changes and stuff like that, which he has done. The defence has changed. We are trying different players. We're trying different formations in general. But to me, I'm a wee bit like, I don't see what more other than that being the guy that let his man go. The guy let his man go and he got a free run. That that to me is, I, I don't see how a manager can A, foresee that and B, eradicate it at that point in time. Um, but it's, it's some, something... Maybe to work on and stuff, I, I, I get that, I do get that, right? But that doesn't mean it's going to eradicate it. I right. I just think right, I mean, you, you could put it down to somebody switching off,
1: but at, at the end of the day, see if some if any player right, what does it what exactly does that mean, switching off at a set piece? Switching off at a set piece is letting somebody get the wrong side of you. And you let somebody get the wrong side of you, chances are from a set piece out there in a penalty box, they're gonna get a header and target and the chances are they're gonna score. So if you are preparing for set pieces, it's the, the mindset of getting drilled in, of picking up angle that you're kind of standing at, do you know what I mean, as much as anything. And he's let them get alongside side him. So, aye, there is a... I see what you mean. I mean, the, the, McPherson's no the one on the pitch doing that, making that mistake. But at some point, if we're consistently conceding goals from headers at set pieces, there's a way of... Do you, do you
2: know what I mean? There, there, there's got to be something there that we've got to eradicate. Yeah, I do take the point that there's only so much a manager can legislate for. They can't directly... You know, McPherson can't really step on the park in the place of, of the players. But ultimately, if it's something... It's the consistency that's the point. If it's happening pretty much every single game and yeah, the, the, the majority of the goals we've lost this season have been from set pieces, then it's a manager's job to fix that. And with a defence full of players that he's signed or given contracts to he's been in the job long enough now that he you know he can't say this is someone else's team he's working with he needs to fix it
1: Yeah I mean, I mean I've mean, i got to say at that point I turned to my pal next to me and going right, right well, well hey ho that's it we've gone behind again you know what happens when we go behind um, it's now about McPherson does he have a plan B does he have a way of kind of changing this up um, and to be fair to him, um, the first ten minutes of the second half kind of kind of proved that he did have that in his locker. So,
2: <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk about that. So yeah, within the first couple, inside the first couple of minutes of the second half, Gary Oliver pulls it back to one each. Uh, what did you make of the goal, Alan? Um, right,
1: I, I I don't know who it was that played the ball initially. Uh, right, so the ball came in initially, I don't know if it was Blues or was it Riley, um, but the ball had broke in fair play to Knowles who, who'd kind of kept it alive um, and kind of getting it back in and Oliver's there, he's reacted well and he's put it in. Um, it's the type of goal that we've not been scoring as well, I would say. Not that we've been scoring any goals, to be perfectly honest with you, but um, so I Right, um, and I've got to say, b- b- before we go on, there was elements of Knowles play that really impressed me as well. Um, he was a bit of a pest. I didn't realise how young he was. I didn't realise he was only nineteen. Um, he, he, he kind of played with a wee bit of maturity, I would say, as well. Um, so yeah, uh, it was a uh, aye, yeah. Well
3: done, Knowles for that goal, basically. Stephen, no, I I was it was. D- decent build-up, but it was one of them um, I think me and the whole cowshed, hit it, hit it, hit it um, as Gary Oliver <laughs> got it um, and as Alan said, just the, the way where luck's been and the way performances have been in recent weeks, as he hit it, I was expecting somebody to appear for somewhere and block it with their face on the line, um, <laughs> that was just what you were expecting as he hit it so it was a, a, a great um, relief uh, I think is maybe one of the words um, as, as, as it hit the net, so was really well taken because another player, um, maybe a younger, less experienced player, might make a make a snatch start. But Gary Oliver's obviously a pretty experienced player. Played good good number of what maybe six, seven, eight years at the kind of the level he's at now. So he obviously has the composure to wait for his chance. And fair play to him; he done well. Top scorer Gary Oliver, three goals. He has that five goal, five goal <laughs> season
2: striker we were looking for last season. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, just to follow up on your point about nose I thought uh, he's an extremely hard worker. I thought there was a lot of quite intelligent movement off the ball there. With the ball at his feet, I'm not sure I saw all that much from him. But yeah, as you're saying, he's only 19. That's the first time he's actually had sort of more than 20 minutes on the park at a time. So, I th- I, I, th- I thought that um, it was interesting that,
1: that, that he effectively got 90 minutes, didn't he? Um, uh, in... Uh, and he acquitted himself well. I thought O'Brien looked quite, looked a wee bit uncomfortable uh, in certain points when there was a, uh, when, when he was kind of defending him in a wee bit of kind of open space. Um And there was a, I mean, going away on here, I know I'm jumping away forward, but there was the chance that we had at the end that Riley had that that was basically Knowles that had created that from kind of chasing something down and kind of using his strength against O'Brien, so I mean there was elements, elements of it, he's obviously a different player to Ugu as well, so I mean you you could see as well I mean, I, I don't know how long Ugu is out for, this is something I think that happened last season as well when he was at Wraith, wasn't he? He missed a good he missed a good
2: post in the season last
1: year, and
2: I'm sure it was kind of similar injuries. Yeah, because um, I think he actually, he'd actually missed their pre-season uh, last year, so I ended up not actually making an appearance until months into the season. Aye.
3: No, on, on those, I, I agree with the points that Aram is making as well, but what I like most about him is, is he's, a, he's a different option. He's yeah. that kind of, he's got a bit of pace about him. He's a wee bit, um, don't know what you're going to get off him when he's getting the ball, that type of, when he's running at a defender. And he is a different option because I think the last couple of seasons we've been guilty of having very samey players in the forward areas. Um We'd, we've had a lot of number 10s basically and um, we've not had different options I, I've I've felt, which is no discredit to the players, it's just that they were all quite similar and sometimes you've got to mix a game up and I, I like that he's a he's a completely different op- option to, to, to Gozi, he's a completely different option again to, to Riley, uh, to Oliver, to, to Murad, all these, the, the, we do have different options which I like Um, we were missing and I think Saturday was, to be fair to him, the first real chances Allen had to to get a look at him. And I do. I, I, I like the look of him. I like the look of him. all the five players in on loan. Um, and all of them, I think, could could have a a good a good season. We've obviously covered, uh, Oxen and his quality. Um, Tom Allen, I think, I honestly think, in the right formation, that boy could be a really good player. Looks a very fast, direct winger. Um, just looks like he's not a wing-back, which didn't suit him, obviously, the, the week before. Riley just strikes me as the type of guy that once he scores, he'll score the following week and the week after that. Um, and I've put on record that I think McIntyre's the best player in the squad by a mile. Um, so I think we're, we're loan signings have actually turned out to, so far, looks as if they, they could come really good for us.
2: Yeah, I would uh, say there's a there's a Yakko uh caveat to your McIntyre point there, <laughs> but... Um... Yeah, I think McIntyre does look like an absolute class act. There's still completely as you'd expect for the guy getting his first experience of proper first team football. There is still a bit of naivety with the ball at his feet, but yeah, you know, ninety nine percent of what he does, he just looks like an absolute class act and strolls through games. Um, so yeah, before we came back and got got that got that second goal, uh, Mark Russell came onto the park. We'd Briefly touch on it while we were talking about McGregor earlier, but I thought the difference Russell made was was excellent. See, having spoken about it in the first half how we were quite neat in possession, what I would also say is, yeah, we were keeping things ticking over nicely at times, but there was no real sense of danger <coughs> out, out with sort of wee speculative balls over the top or or set pieces. There, there was no sense that we had any idea how to unlock the Arbroath defense. as soon as Russell came on the park all of a sudden he's just dragging players out of position and
1: opening up
2: see with regards to him coming on um,
1: it seemed it seemed to me I I mean McGregor wasn't injured right? so it it, it seemed to have happened my perception was that it's happened almost immediately after we've equalised it's almost as if there was something tactical there Um. Or am I misreading that and he's just made the change?
3: I think I think it's maybe a bit more simple, Alan, in that the the manager's maybe said to McGregor, right, you've got five, ten minutes to get yourself more involved in the game. And The the, the sub was obviously pro- probably pre-empted at half-time and they've probably said, right, Mark's going to come on, do this, whatever. Um, McGregor doesn't really get too involved in the five, six, seven, I don't know how long it was, maybe seven right. minutes or something like that, right? however long it was uh, the, the second half. He doesn't get too involved, the manager thinks, Right, might as well do it now. And as uh, was mentioned there, we had scored, so we were in the ascendancy. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to bring a player on it's going to run at defenders, like Mark Russell was doing, it was the right time to do it. So it's maybe a bit of and we've scored, it's the right time to make a sub for somebody to run at people. But also he's maybe said to the young boy, listen, you've got five, ten minutes, show me that I should keep you on here. And he's not shown much more than he did in the first half, so he's been like, right, time to go now. I, I've got to say,
1: uh, on Russell's performance, um, I'm assuming that he, he had not been... Uh, getting game time uh, just in terms of him getting up with speed or something like that but based on the 35-40 minutes that he was on the park um, he'd be on my team sheet next next week um, and as well as that he I would say he's the best left wing back that we have in our squad anyway if we're going to be playing a back three um, what, I, now? I, I hesitate to say <laughs> Tierney and Robertson here but the point I'm making is that him being there, there was a two or three times that you saw Strap getting forward, eh, almost kind of underlapping a wee bit as well. Um, Much like you're seeing eh, McIntyre doing in the right. And I'm wondering if eh, if Russell's there, he's allowing that to happen and it gives us a wee bit more, a wee bit more of an option. Um, I thought in the second half, by the way, I thought they looked... And I think that was more by design of how we were set out. Our growth seemed a lot more open for about 10 minutes or 10 or 15 minutes or so. And I think that's because we were stretching them. And I think that was because Russell was there doing that.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I I do think that Mark Russell changed that game quite considerably. And okay, we got the equaliser before he came on. And yeah, we still didn't manage to see a win out. But yeah, it stretched our growth immediately. And I was just delighted to see a performance like that from him because he's just sort of, gains have just passed him by whenever he's been on the park since he came back and he's played in a few different positions. And there was maybe a sense of, you did McPherson actually know how he wanted to use him? But yeah, after that performance, I think there's there's no doubt he's going to be keeping his place in the team now. And yeah, let's just hope he can build on that and, continue performing at that level which probably brings us on to the second goal which starts with Russell getting the ball out wide running at players and sort of dragging more Arbroath defenders towards him plays it inside to Oxenden, who can then play it on to Blues who is in acres of space with the Arbroath defence already haven't been stretched Let's be honest here it was
1: Carlos Alberto 1970, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it was. That's what Cami
3: Blues is for us now. He has that right-sided player. So, uh, in, all honesty, but, on. <laughs> in, in all honesty, it was a really, really good goal for for the level. As as Craig described it really well, we, we stretched them to the point that we got a big, massive gap just kind of in the corner of the box for a guy to get a shot, free shot at goal, and he took very, very composed, great finish. Um, if you can do that two and three times a game, you're going to score a couple of goals, and that's what we've been lacking is that people running with the ball, people passing, that stretching, and um, that's what we've been lacking. When we've as much as we were saying about the first half, we we were keeping the ball well, and, and I did like it. We'd lacked that um, that going for the kill, and that that's, that's what happened to that goal, and it was ah, I thought it was a fantastic wee bit of play.
0: Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with the Inverclyde Boiler Company and the Inverclyde Bathroom Company. Shane and his team offer the very best design, installation, aftercare and customer service and are very proud to serve the Inverclyde community. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram or call them on 01475
2: So, after going ahead, I both did come back into a bit and... As you inevitably expect when you're sitting on a one-goal lead, we did end up sitting deeper as the half went on. But I did think that actually we were soaking up the pressure quite well for all that you inevitably get, get nervous. It's hard to think of any clear-cut chances they really created. There was that thing of, oh no, it's us defending set-pieces again. But I thought the defence was coping with it really quite well.
3: Definitely agree. I thought we were coping. Um... Very well, and I've not seen it again yet. But it's going to take some convincing to tell me that it was a penalty. Um, man, I did as, as you say, particularly in open play, we know we've already touched on set pieces, but particularly in open play, I thought we looked pretty solid. Um, they even kept staying solid the more the game went on. Do you know, I'm, I'm looking at the stats, the match
1: stats here in BBC, right? And it's got them doing as having 11 shots and goal. I, I'm, I'm still going to remember all of them. It does have them doing his, having three shots in target, mind you. Um, And if you're looking at that, they've scored two. Well, if they're counting the penalty, they've scored two of them. But um, I, I'm trying to remember. Ha- Hamilton made, I think I can remember Hamilton making kind of one half decent save in the second half. But I did think, I we, we kept them at arm's length. Um, And the reason as well is because the, the, there was times that the ball wasn't coming flying back at us, which again is like, it wasn't getting lashed out, it wasn't a long ball out of defence. When we were working it up the park, it was going through our midfield and it was a 20, 30 yard pass into space rather than a, rather than a hoof clearance, which was kind of showing the merits of like Sanin and and Jacobs. I did think that they kind of tired a wee bit eh, the midfield, um, which was going to happen with the, with the kind of work rate that they put in, but I mean, they didn't really cause us that many problems. I quite like to look by where they are, who, who was a big guy in the centre of the park for them? The Big Henderson? Henderson, uh, aye. Uh, he kind of started to kind of impose himself a wee bit on things, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's it was just the frustrating thing about the penalty as well was, it's a header at the back post that he's competing for. Do you know what I mean? It's not even as if it was going to be a, a, a header on target. It's just so blanking
3: frustrating and I don't know. Have you seen pictures of it since then? I've seen the picture, the still image, right. which, yeah. which shows you contact of his our man's arm hitting their man. But right. obviously, I could be proven wrong when, when we see a video of it. But to me, it was their man that actually coming into the back of your man, right? A still right. image, a still image can show whatever picture you want a still image to show. In my point of right. view, um, so I'm Would reserving you- my judgment that I still think it wasn't a penalty until the YouTube video comes out the night and says that was a stone wall, right? But until then, I, I just felt as a real Man won the header, their man came into the back of our man and our, where, 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 where do they want? Where does the referee want his arm to be? He's come into the back of him. He's not looking right. at him. He's not deliberately held him. I just think that header happens 20, 30 times a game on a halfway line and is isn't a foul. So how can it be a penalty? I just gosh, don't get it. Gosh, he said...
1: I'm just seeing his, his, his quote about it was it things are taken out with our control and nobody claimed for the penalty. That's what everybody was commenting on, wasn't it? But then he's added in, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't one. Um, I think I we can go around the hooses, but until we see the actual video of it, I mean, I'm trying the letter of the law now, is it that if there is contact or whatever, contact with an elbow in a face, there is a foul in the box. There is a foul automatically or something like that. It it could
3: it could be Alan, but as I Aye. said, so my angle obviously would be different to, to folk in the stands' angle, right? But my dad and Chris were in the stand and they both agreed with me. No, it wasn't a penalty. Um, but to me, as I said, their man is behind our man and comes into the back of him. So Aye. if we're seeing any contact with an elbow, right? Our man's jumping up in the ball, jumping up for the head his arms are in there. So, aye. by the letter of, you just jump yourself into his arm for yourself don't you're getting a penalty. No, of course aye. you're not. Of course you're not. So, aye. it's one of them ones that, did he, did he recklessly throw his arm into his face? If that is the way it shows, then fair enough, that would be a penalty if he's recklessly thrown his arm into his face. If he's just Please. jumped up for the header with his clearly arm to his side, as
1: well, he? If he's just clearly jumped up,
3: won the header with his arms out in the air the way you would jump naturally, and their man's jumped into the arm, then of course that's not a fault. If anything, that's a foul. to us. But if it is, shows me or not, no, he actually recklessly throws his arm back and hits him, then that's fair enough. So that's why it's one of them things, no contact into somebody's arm makes it a foul because it could be him that's initiated at the way he's jumped. Um, but I, as I said, it's it's a hard one to judge because we've, cause we've not seen it again, but definitely didn't think it was at the time. The difference, yeah. uh, the difference being though uh, in our discussion of this game now
1: is it goes from a 2-1 a, a, a win where we've gone ahead, we've managed the game And we've seen it out, and we've defended well, and we've and it's and it's a strong one, and it's an encouraging one, and we can talk about you know holding them at arm's length, and the role that Russell's played, and the rest of it, and them not really causing as much trouble. To what we're actually looking at now is it's two-two, and we're still no wins in seven, and we're still on. Do you know what I mean? We're still doing at the bottom, and where's your next win coming from and I, I I noticed quite a few people talking about, you know, is this gus under pressure now? Um I don't know what you think yourself on that. Personally myself, I it's 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 no something that I'm looking at just now. It, because there's enough encouragement there in that
3: performance, I would say, to suggest that we're kinda of clicking into gear a wee bit. I agree with you, Alan. The I, I described it as stopping the rot last week and me and Craig were debating whether whether or not it did. But to me what we we are slowly turning a corner. We've not turned a corner, but we are slowly turning a corner. We're starting to see some players bedding into the team, like Oaksin. and for example, when we played Kelly um, a few weeks ago, month ago, whenever that was, I wouldn't have put him, putting the last couple of performances in that he has on the guy that played against Kelly for us. I, I didn't think he was going to look as good as this. So what these players have took a wee bit of time, a couple of weeks, getting bedded in. We're now starting to see them play well. And, I think the the team and the management they deserved that one on Saturday it would have alleviated, as you said, any potential pressure. It would have alleviated that a wee bit, um, and it was just one of them situations that it, it didn't. And that then, obviously, any pressure people are putting on, um, it, it adds to it. But it really it, it it drives me nuts when I see people um try to say that the manager should go now and things like that. Well, we're, we're nowhere near at that stage. Um, for me, as I said, if we were if Saturday had went that we'd drawn. Nil nil again, and we hadn't created a chance, and whatever that would have been different from the week before. The week before was about getting a point on the board. I was happy with a point, it was about getting out a point. Let's just move on from it. If it had gone the same again this week, I could see a bit of merit in it. People saying that, but that's not what happened on Saturday. We actually went out and particularly in the second half, put in a performance and put a marker down for the weeks to come. So I think any kind of calls from to go are, 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 are a bit daft in my eyes.
2: Yeah, we've spoken here about a lot of the positives that you can take from that performance. And, yeah, as you say, it was undoubtedly an improvement on what went before because we actually scored a goal. <laughs> um But what I would say is, and no, I'm, I'm not saying it's time for McPherson to go just now, but what I would say is we're sitting here six games without a win. And, yeah, you can say that, I, it's been taken away from us by a... Debatable referee decision, and that's out with McPherson's control. But the fact is, you're sitting six games without a win already. Our next game's away to Inverness, there's every chance that that's going to become seven without a win. And at the point you're sitting seven games without a win, any manager's going to be under pressure because if we end up going to nine or ten games are out of win and yes we're not at that point yet and there are more winnable games coming around the corner but if we're going to be sitting here at the end of this month still waiting for that win to come and bear in mind the end of this month we've got a run of three games in a week which are Queen of the South away Partick at home Hamilton at home the win needs to come by then because if we are Talking about going nine or ten games without a win, then we are going to end up cut adrift in the bottom two in this division. And right,
1: see on see see on the Inverness game. Right now, this is me saying this, and we're probably going to go up there and get one of our usual uh, what used to happen five six years ago five nil scuddings up there or something like that. But um, putting a rose tinted spectacles um, view of it, Inverness away. Is the type of that's it's the type of game that actually under Gus we tend to do okay in. Um, just looking at Kelly away, Hamilton away, it's games where we can I I don't know we can sit in and soak up pressure, and that's where we we seem to be better. If we've got to actually dictate the play, I think that's when we've kind of struggled a wee bit. Um, and I don't know, Inverness get beat at the weekend, don't they? Um yeah, and relatively well. Well, I know his name Hamilton went down to ten men, but um, I'd be interested to see as we've got two weeks until we play them. Um, uh, that's two weeks of training, two weeks of bedding them in. I know obviously that uh, Oksana and, and Martin T are going to be away on international duty. Um which obviously means that for next week against Montrose, that means that uh, Robbie Muirhead will come in to score his obligatory two goals against League One opposition. So, um, but um, I, I don't know. Um, based on what I saw on Saturday, there was enough encouragement to suggest. you know what? I mean, We could go in against Inverness. We could get a result, which takes us on. And I I know what you're saying by the way about that week, the Queenie South away and then the two home games in four days. Um, We do need to start picking up points. And I would say, looking at all the teams in the division, um, everybody is assuming that Peter Grant's days are numbered. And I would imagine everybody in the division would have his favourite to be bottom just now. Um, But um, I think we're further away further away from Gus being under serious pressure than some folk think but if we come out of October with still with no wins then I would suggest that we are at that place by
3: that point
2: Anything
3: to add there Stephen? No I, I agree with everything Alan said um, and I do as, as you've mentioned there about the games coming at the end of October how, how big they are uh, I agree with that as well. But what what will annoy me as well? I, I I get annoyed quite easily, obviously, right? But what what will annoy me? Is, is it a lack like it... of sleep? just now, snooze, Stephen? Is that <laughs> is doing it? No, no, because no, I think it's probably standard in the shot of me at the cowshed. No, I'm Morton supporters in general, um, of which I am one, and <laughs> I'm very guilty of it myself. Moaning about things that we don't need to moan about has always annoyed me, right? So I could foresee a situation. I was going to Inverness playing them off the park, somehow either losing a last-minute equaliser or something like that because these type of things happen on the long journeys to, to the Highlands quite often for us. Um, last season, when we played really well, uh, no, sorry, no, that was two seasons ago because we kind of missed a season, obviously, with the fans. Two seasons ago, we went up there last away game we got before COVID and they scored on the last kick of the ball after Morton playing brilliant in the second half, right? That type of thing happening and the whole august out brigade happening, you're like, did you actually watch the game? right? That, that, that's what I can foresee happening in Inverness and me being a grumpy old man again to say, what would, 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 you, would you change? Um, and that, that will really annoy me. So I, I foresee that situation happening. Either that or we'll go to Inverness and get a uh, good result. But I think that's not the game that we're, we should be judging. As Alan said, that, that few day, game's a few days. Particularly the biggest game coming up for me is away to Queen of the South because they're the teams that we, we should be taking points off of. I'm not saying I'm not saying there should be free hits in this league, right? I'm I, it's not a way uh, perhaps to describe it. But playing away to the league leaders, you really on paper shouldn't be expecting us to go and get something, right?
0: Yeah.
3: Away to Queen of the South, and uh, we've got to take something out of that game. Um and we've got to put a marker down. That that's the games for me that you've got to go and um, put a right good performance in. So I, I I would be aggrieved as I normally am if if we go to Inverness and folk are kinda of judging us on that when you're like, hmm but I think, as as Alan had mentioned, the games after that are massive. Um, and hopefully, with the, the, the next few weeks, a uh, uh, build-up, as as mentioned there as well, uh, Montrose. Don't don't know how that could be a, a big game for us as well. Because if we get Jimmy Knowles, who I would assume if, if, if Gozi goes, goes injured, you've got to be assuming you've got to play Knowles for the start. Hopefully, the boy gets a goal or two, um, gets his seller on. And look to this is going to be my team going forward. Um, it could be a, it could be a big game to to bed in some players some more as as, as mentioned so i uh, it's it's an exciting couple of weeks ahead and i think the games at the end of the month are the, the big or oh, we need to get big points on the board here Well I see the i mean we
1: we talk about it all the time about uh, this challenge cup and how we've never we never appear to have taken this seriously, and I know that we're back at this point of we've only got six points. We need to focus in the league. We need to focus on our next game and the rest of it. But um, there is a, a, a that that is in terms of the mood of the supporters. Um, the, uh, we've got, we've Gus has got more to lose than to gain from the Montrose game. It's a middling to the way that they are just now, By the way, they're middling to lower. I know they got a result against um, Queen Queen's Park yesterday, but um, do you know they are a league one team? They're no a league one pushing to be championship team, and it's one of them that see if, if we were to lose on Saturday, um, that's, that's that's an hard one to be kind of thinking about, um, I. I want to see us doing well. I want to see he's winning the Challenge Cup this year, by the way, as well. Um, I don't want to undersell it, but obviously, as well as that, we're going to be missing and T. we're going to be missing Nugu, we're going to be missing Nick Sanning. Um So, in terms of how we're going to set it up, I don't know. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I'm sick of the whole uh, not
2: taking the Challenge Cup seriously thing. Um, we're not in a position to turn the noses up at any sort of cup run. And, yeah, having obviously been robbed of it with, with closed-door games, I'm looking forward to actually being able to go to a game at Montrose. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is something that could go badly for McPherson. I mean, I know that they're sitting sixth, sixth in the league now, but I do expect Montrose to be in and around the playoffs again. But still, yeah, if we... If we were to go up there and lose, then no, uh, you're not going to sack a manager based on the Challenge Cup alone, but it just sort of adds to the the discontent among the support if on the back of a run of six without a win in the league, you then go out the cup to a team from a, from a lower division.
0: Titan Spice Rum is inspired by Clydeside Heritage and Inverclyde's incredible scenery. (coughs) Their aged Caribbean rum is infused with Scottish raspberries, a hint of golden syrup, exotic spices and pure Caledonian water. You can now pre-order their second batch, which is available from the 2nd of July. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Titan Spirits LTD.
2: Okay, so I think that that's all about those. So, as discussed, next Saturday, Morton play Montrose in the Challenge Cup. That's a half-one kick-off as the Scotland game is at five. Crazy. See, that's
3: that, that another thing that got me angry and got me moaning, right? There's a half-one kick-off so that people could watch both games. I, if you wanted to stay in Montrose and watch the Scotland game, um, I didn't get that. I just thought if they were going to bring it forward, they could have brought it forward to 12 o'clock and let grumpy old men like me go to both games. Yeah. Um, But anyway, that's my rant about that one done.
2: So, on that beautiful note, (laughs) um, Stephen, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, mate. No problem. Alan, cheers for coming
0: on, and I hope you feel better. Thank you for having me, as usual. Well, that's the show folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at The Morton Forum.